Thank you, Pastor Jason. What a man. I do want to thank every single leader and volunteer that's part of Emerge Church Redcliffe. Um, every week, I think about you guys and what you do, and um, church would not happen if it wasn't for you guys. There's no way that I could pull this off. There's no way that I could pull this off. There's no way that I would have organized Alex to have a ukulele bass guitar. That's you volunteers. This is for you volunteers. This is just incredible, Alex. I love it. I won't be able to play it. It doesn't even fit in the stand. You're wild. You're just wild. Well, I've, um, I've really appreciated worship this morning. I've really appreciated your takeover as well, Jason. Uh, God has definitely wanted to say something this morning. And uh, when I think of what I'm going to share, I'm like, yeah. God's definitely echoing something here. And uh, God doesn't repeat himself because we're hard of hearing. Maybe he does. He repeats himself for a reason. He wants to say something. He doesn't have a stutter issue. He wants it to be clear to us. He wants us to make sure that we get what, he, what he's trying to say to us. And this morning, I think, is he's echoing this throughout worship, Jason's takeover, and what I'm about to share. So Luke chapter 1 verse 78 to 79 says this, Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide us to the path of peace. Well, it's, it's that season of year. It's the season of the year. It's Christmas time. It's busy. There's so much going on. There's so much joy in the air. There's so much pain in the air because you have to look for a car park. There's so much frustration. There's so much expectancy, so much excitement, so many tears. I remember one Christmas I got punched in the face. Yeah, it was a great Christmas. Um, just so much joy that day specifically. Uh, but it is that time of year. But it is one thing that we have to remember on Christmas, and that is the main thing, and that is the coming of Jesus. So when I read these words that I just wrote, read to you, it's actually Zechariah, who's the father of John the Baptist. And he's saying these words as he's holding his newborn baby son, and he's prophesying about Jesus, the one that's going to come, the one that's going to bring light to, a, to people who sit in darkness. That's what... Zachariah is talking about. So the title of my message this morning is The Advantage. Subtitle, Change the Odds. So let me pray. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that I get to share your word. And Lord, I pray that this word will, will, will pierce into people's hearts, Father, will completely set right what, what is a little bit off, Father. And Lord, let us all grow together. Let us be more like you. In the mighty name of Jesus, Amen. Amen. Who here has played games in the dark before? Who here has played hide and seek in the dark or spotlight? Or There's this one in particular game that I really enjoyed when I was a kid with my mates. We would all go into a dark room or it was dark for the person that's it uh, because he was blindfolded. And so blindfolded kid with a pool noodle and uh, you're just swinging. It's a bedroom. There's... There's things around. There's beds, there's cupboards, there's bedside tables, there's lamps, there's glasses of water, obviously, because no kid ever takes the glasses of water out of the room. Maybe even half-eaten sandwich, stuff like that. And you're just swinging, 
You're, you're up there, you're, you're swinging around, you end up on the bed somehow, you're swinging. And the aim of the game is when you hit someone, they're out. And then you go until it's the last person left. Uh, that was a fun game. Spotlight's a great game. All these games you play in the dark. Wouldn't it be an advantage, though, if you could see? Wouldn't it be an advantage, though, if it was the middle of the day? If it was light outside? If there was some sort of light that you had while you were playing this game, or if you weren't blindfolded. What an advantage that would be. That's what I want to talk about this morning. In this game we call Life on Earth, we have an opportunity to gain a huge advantage. And the opportunity to be able to see in the dark, to be able to win when the odds are stacked against us. That's what I want us to dive into this morning together. And this is a, a, the first part of a two-part message, and the second part's coming on New Year's Eve. So stick around for that one. That's going to be fun. Uh, so I'm going to start off by reading Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 7. It says this, One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the Word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. For the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, We worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time the nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Simon was a fisherman. He knew how to fish. He knew where to fish. He knew when to fish. However, no matter how good he was, the odds were always stacked against him. Trust me, I speak from experience in this. I have tried my luck in fishing. Um, I actually really enjoy going camping. I always take a fishing rod with me. I'm never successful. I've actually sat on Fraser Island on the West Coast. I see the fish in the waves. Big fish. Like, uh, they're just swimming. I'm like, my hook's right there. Food. Eat it. Just take the bait. No. Nah. Rosie catch, casts, the, casts the first line, brings in a fish. I was like, that's not fair. It's just favor favor. A typical fisherman makes three casts per minute, which, um, which means that on any given eight-hour fishing day, you'll make 1,440 casts. Now, let's say you catch five fish, which is the general average during those eight hours. In that case, you cast, your cast-to-catch ratio is one fish for every 288 casts. The odds are against you. There's, there's no way around it. You're going to struggle to catch a fish. Don't think, do you know what an annoying thing is as well? I went, I went to Longreach with my family, uh, my in-laws, about two years ago, and Jesse Bradford came with us. And uh, we went down to the Thompson River, and we, uh, he's never been fishing before. So I'm like, here, have the pink rod. And so I gave him the pink fishing rod, and uh, he cast the, the, uh, the, the, fish, the hook in. And he pulls a fish out. I just, I took credit, naturally. I said, well, you're only as good as your teacher, mate. So um, 
I just couldn't believe it. He obviously got it on that one. So now he's going to suffer for over 500 casts before he catches his next fish. So good luck, Jesse, to that one. So the odds are stacked against you as a fisherman. I, I think, uh, Hugh, you know about a little bit about this. It's, uh, it's real for you, isn't it? Yeah. I'm sorry to bring this up. Yeah. We'll pray for you afterwards. The odds are against you. But when Jesus gets in the boat, the odds change. Simon gained an advantage. Simon said to Jesus that he tried all night, still he was unsuccessful. Yet when Jesus told him to do it, he didn't do anything different. The boat was the same boat. He used the same techniques. It was the same net. He went to the same spot. The only difference is the reason why he did it and the timing he did it in. Those were the differences. It was the time and the director. Simon had been fishing all night with no success. Along comes Jesus, tells him to do the exact same thing he was doing all night. The difference, Simon did it under the direction of Jesus. And when Jesus asked him to do it, Simon couldn't believe the amount of fish he caught. So I want us to look at three factors in this this moment between Jesus and Simon. And those three factors are reason, timing, and different doors. So let's start with reason. Simon had been fishing probably since he was a young boy. Fishing is what he knew. He knew where to go. He knew all the good spots. He knew what time of day to go fishing. He knew what gear to use. He knew fishing. Because of what he knew, he made a living fishing. It wasn't a hobby for him. It was his means to an end. So the reason he fished was to earn money. And he, he did that so that he could provide for his family. He had a wife. We, we read about that in the Bible. He had a wife, so he had dependents. So he had someone that he needed to, look, needed to look after. And he probably, well, we read that his mother-in-law was sick at his house. So it was like, all right, he obviously looked after his mother-in-law as well. So Peter, Simon had dependents. Simon had people that he had to fish for. He had a reason to fish. He had a responsibility. And they are, that's a good reason. They are good reasons to do what, what Simon was doing. But that morning, the reason changed. When Jesus asked Simon to fish, the reason that Simon let down the nets is different from the reason he was doing it during the night. Jesus asked Simon to let down the nets. No further reason, no further explanation, no further any detail of why he has to do it. He just said, let down your nets. Just go a little further and let down your nets. Look what Simon responds with. In Luke chapter 5, verse 5, this is Simon's words. Master, Simon replied, I worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down my nets again. Master. Simon calls Jesus master. To Simon, Jesus is master. Jesus is commander. Jesus holds authority over him. That's what a master is. Simon recognizes that Jesus is his authority. Jesus is his Lord. He calls him master. Master, we failed last night. Didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, I'll try again. So Simon lets down his net, just as he did did many times before the night before. This time, the result was drastically different, though. For years, for years, Simon let down those nets. Some days he pulled in a good catch. Otherwise, he wouldn't be a fisherman. He'd just be a caster of nets. So it was quite clear that he was a fisherman of some success. 
Some days, though, he would, he would go home empty-handed. No fish. He did this year in, year out. The same thing with little to moderate success. So we as well, we can get caught up doing that same thing. We have a reason. It's a good reason. We work hard, whether it's to provide for our family, whether it's to improve ourselves, whether it's to, to craft our own abilities and, and to be better. These are good reasons. It's to develop our skills or whatever the reasons are. The catch that we get, though, may be a little underwhelming. Enough to get by, but not life-changing. Until one day, Jesus asks us to do it for him. Hey, I know that you're all packed up. Could you imagine that? I know that you've just cleaned your nets. I know that you've just finished a hard night of trying to fish unsuccessfully. I know all that. But could you just go out again? Just go out where it's a little deeper and cast your net. Let down your net. That's what Jesus is saying to Simon here. Same thing, different reason. The reason was because his master, Jesus, told him to. Because of this, he pulls up a catch that freaks him out. Such a big catch that it filled up not only his boat, but two boats, completely filled with fish. Completely filled to the brink of them actually starting to sink. I'm not saying that this happened to me. I wasn't that fortunate ever fishing. But something similar has happened to me before. In uh, 2019, uh, sorry, in 2018, I proposed to Rosie. Things are looking good. I had a good job. I'm a qualified electrician. Things are motoring along. I'm working on big projects for my boss. We're, we're, we're making ground. Rosie's doing well. She was finished with her uni degree. She had a good job. So things were looking good. Like, yep, this is the time of your season when you get engaged. Things are going well. Then all of a sudden, I lose my job. End of, that was a start of 2019. I lose my job. And I'm, I'm like, I'm about to get married. I want to buy a house. This is not the right time to lose your job. I begged my boss. I was like, look, mate, you don't understand. I need this job. I need this income. I need this security behind me. I need this resource. I needed this. And, and that was my reason for pursuing what I was doing. I needed to provide for my to-be wife. I needed to buy a house for her. I needed to have money and have food on the table, all these things. That was the reason. And I, I accepted the fact that I was losing my job. I said, all right, I'll go look for another job. I even considered moving out of the industry. I was looking to maybe um, go on the road and, and, and try to help sign up apprentices and stuff like that. So I was like, all right, that, that might be fun because I really enjoyed youth ministry. I was like, maybe I can work along with apprentices. So I'm, I'm applying for different things. I still applied to be an electrician at other companies, but nothing was coming out. Nothing was, uh, no, no phone calls, nothing came, coming back. I was very disheartened and then I just... Decided, how about, how about I ask God? That might be a good idea. So I got on my face and knees and I was praying and I was fasting. I was like, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? What is it that you want me to do? I don't want to just do something that's a good idea. I want to do the God idea. I want to do what you want me to do, Lord. And, and he prompted me so clearly to start my own business. He's like, you start your own thing. And so that started a journey for me to do that. And, and so throughout 2019, I started doing all the studies I needed to do to start my own business. 
Um, I still got married. We still had a great honeymoon. God still provided through that season. It took me almost a year to finish my qualifications. And then in June 2020, let, it, let me add, an incredible time of life to start a business that you have to leave your house and, uh, and go and make some money. June 2020, I started my business. But what was incredible is I never took a backward step. Yes, I didn't buy the house when I wanted to buy the house, but the blessings that came from it was phenomenal. The resources that God continued to, to, show, to show me and give me and pour into our lives was just unreal. And I, I thank God every day for that, what He did for us through that season. And, and He's continuously doing those things. Now, I still don't drive that Porsche that I desire, but that's okay. It's coming. Please. <laughs> but God has been so faithful. God has been so faithful to me. God has been so, I've been so fruitful because of that. And, and, I, and I only thank God for that. And it's because I did, my reason changed. I did what he said that I should do. I changed the reasoning behind it all. Yes, it was still to be, my first ministry is always my family. It's always my wife and it always will be. But Doing it for God is the reason why you do things. And that's what Peter did. When our reason for doing something shifts from personal reasons to Jesus asking us to do it, instead the results will be different. Even if, it makes, even if it's the same thing you've been doing for years, it's the same thing. I was an electrician. I started in my, when I was 20. So I've been doing it for 10, 10 years now. It's the same thing that I've been doing. In 2019, though, the reason changed. It's the same thing. Still electrician. Still twisting wires. Still saving the world one PowerPoint at a time. It's, it's what I was doing all that time beforehand. It's the same thing, but it changed. My reason changed. And if you read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7, Paul says this, Work with enthusiasm as though you're working, you are working for the Lord rather than for people. So if you ever want to know what you have to do, what God is asking you to do, just read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7. It says right there, Jesus is saying it through Paul. Whatever you're doing, work as if you're working unto the Lord. You can do the exact same thing. Just change your reason. Just change why you're doing it. You can be digging a hole, the whole, your whole life. Just change your reason. And a blessing will come. An advantage will come. The odds will change. For years, Simon let down his nets. Simon did the exact same thing. Year in, year out, that day his reason changed. The advantage comes when our reason changes. When we do what our master, Jesus, asks us to do. The advantage is directly linked to his direction. If we're doing the same thing we have been doing for years, but now the reason we are doing it is because Jesus asks us to do it, the odds change. Instead of the odds being stacked against us, we now have the advantage. The second factor I want us to look at is timing. Simon and his fishing partners pull in a huge catch, the biggest catch they've ever pulled in. Theoretically, it shouldn't have happened. Simon was a fisherman, was fishing at night because that's when fishermen went out to fish. That's when they were feeding. That's when 
everything was happening with the fish. I'm not a fisherman. You can talk to Hugh about it afterwards. But generally, that's the best time to go fishing. That's when these guys went fishing. They went fishing at night. The odds were the best to catch fish at that time of the evening. So timing is everything. Doing things, doing the right thing at the wrong time will, will result in the wrong result, will lead you to the wrong result. If you think of, I love basketball. I love watching basketball. I love playing basketball. But if you go up for a shot, and you let your feet leave the ground, but then you don't release the ball until your feet touch the ground again, that's a travel, which means it's a turnover, which means you've wasted your time. Or if you think of, of baseball, if you're swinging, or cricket, you know, you're, you're swinging a bat to hit the ball. If you swing that millisecond too late, you're out. Swing that millisecond too late, the ball's not going as far as it should. It's timing. Timing is everything. If you think of swimming, right, you're swimming, and you're not pulling your head up to breathe. Timing, right? You've got, to, you've got to time that breath. Otherwise, you're drowning. It's not swimming anymore. It's sinking. Timing is everything. I don't want to talk about golf. Jesus, lets, Jesus tells him to let down his net. But it's not the right time anymore. It's the morning. The sun is up. It's bright. But Jesus still tells him to let down his net. The timing is out, yet Simon is still, still lets it down his net. And although it wasn't the right time, according to the seasoned fisherman, it was the perfect timing because Jesus asked him to do it then. Simon has a routine. He has a plan. He has a schedule. At night, he and all the other fishermen go out and fish. He has been doing this this way for many years, week in, week out. That's how he fishes. That's how he's a fisherman. Jesus comes and throws out Simon's timing. And the result is unexpected, to say the least. I've got a friend. He's, he's part of Emerged Church. And about a year and a half ago, he started a, a cafe or a new cafe as part of a franchise. And, and so it was this huge thing that he went through. And, and so he spent a lot of money putting this cafe together. And, and through the direction of God, he, he really sought God in, in making this decision. And so now he's starting this cafe, and he's a week out from, from opening. And he's talking to the owners who are God-fearing people, love Jesus, and, 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 and are just great Christians, great people. He's talking to the owners, and, 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 and this uh, friend of mine has had this prompt on his heart, and through talking with, with uh, Pastor Joe as well, there's this real pr uh, prompt on his heart that um, not to open on a Sunday. We shouldn't have our cafe open on a Sunday. And so he approaches the owners and goes, have you ever considered not having the cafe open on a Sunday? And the owners look at him and go, you know, we've been wrestling with that idea for years now, whether we have our cafes open on a Sunday or not. And so that night they decided they're not going to open on Sunday. And not just his cafe, but the three others that they've already, they already owned that have been operating for eight years they're not going to open on Sunday anymore. And so that night, my friend was crossing off the Sunday open times on his pamphlets that he was about to go hand out. A week before opening, he's like, you know what? We're not doing it. This is what we feel from God. God's telling us, don't open on a Sunday. Don't open on a Sunday. And as a franchise, they are now making more in six days than what they ever made in seven days. They are selling more than what they ever sold they are selling more in six days than what they ever sold in seven days. And you know what? 
People are crazy. People were calling him crazy. People, his bank was so upset at him. He's like, you've just taken out a loan to start a cafe, and you've given us your business plan, and now you're coming back and saying, oh, by the way, I'm scrapping one entire day of trading. And uh, he still got it through, but success came. The timing was off. It didn't look like it, it was the right time. It didn't look like he should even be doing it at that time. But he still did it. He went through with it. Just like Simon, my friend was faced with a decision to make, do I stick to the timing that seems to be what everyone else is doing, or do I allow Jesus to set a new time? Both Simon and my friend reaped the benefits of doing it in God's timing. It doesn't make sense. You don't fish mid-morning. Maybe that's what I was doing wrong on Fraser Island. You don't close a cafe on Sunday. But when God leads you to do it, even if you think the timing is out, it's in fact the perfect time. The advantage comes when we stop worrying about getting the timing right according to common sense or popular opinion or expert opinion or expert knowledge. We forget about those things. Instead, we spring to action when God directs us, despite thinking of the timing, that the timing is off or if it, it may be the wrong time completely. Doing things in God's timing changes the odds. It gives us the advantage. The third factor that I want to look at this morning is different doors. I haven't actually finished reading to you this entire passage of Luke chapter 5, so we're going to read that right now. It's um, verse 8 to 11. It says this, When Simon Peter realized what happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus. And he said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. I was just thinking about that this morning. They left everything, which means... They probably didn't take all those fish to the market to sell. Now, I'm sure someone did. Someone definitely reaped the reward of that, that advantage. But they left everything and just followed Jesus. They left everything. Simon realizes this unfair advantage. He deems himself unworthy. He deems himself unworthy of such an advantage. But Jesus ignores Simon's request and instead redirects him, opening a different door. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. This is so fascinating to me. Simon just witnessed a miracle, supernatural provision. Jesus showed him that when Simon does what Jesus tells him to do, when he tells him to do it, he gains a huge advantage. Jesus says a strange thing to him. Fish for people. Catch people. Gather people. If I was Simon, I would have thought, well, if you're not going to leave me alone like I asked, well, at least let's partner up a little bit here. We can make a killing, all right? You know exactly where the fish is. You know the right time to do it. We can wipe out. We can take out this whole industry. We can have the monopoly on this. We can really partner up and make something happen here. But no. Instead, you're wanting me to stop fishing? It just doesn't make sense. Simon just gained an advantage. It seemed as if Jesus knows where the fish are 
and went to cast the nets, the odds have surely changed. No more going home empty-handed. We figured it out. This is it. But that's not what Jesus was trying to show Simon. Jesus takes Simon out a little further, mid-morning, after a long night of fishing. And I have no doubt Simon would have been highly, sorry, mid-morning after a long night of fishing, attempting to fish, not showing him where the fish are or how to catch them. But Jesus did this to show Simon that the advantage comes with obedience. It wasn't about, this is how you do it. You've got to cast your net this way. You've got to go to this exact spot. I'll give you the coordinations on your GPS. There you go, Simon. Now you've got it for the rest of your life. This is the honey hole. This is where everything happens. It's not about that. He's showing Simon that success comes through obedience. The advantage comes through obedience. It wasn't about doing it at the exact right time, the exact right location. That's what it was about. Being obedient to Jesus unlocks the advantage. If Jesus asked Simon to be a fisherman for the rest of his life, I have no doubt that Simon would have been a very successful fisherman, highly successful fisherman. Instead, what Simon was soon to realize is that obedience to Jesus will always enable him to go through different doors seamlessly. Verse 11 says, And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. I've seen this in my life. I was telling you before that I lost my job and I started a business and it was through God leading me and guiding me. And, and, and I've been great, like successful in that. I've, I've had an apprentice and he's just finishing up on the 29th of December, his apprenticeship. And he's going to be a tradesman for my company. And it's, it's fantastic. It's so exciting. Things are happening. But in January 2022, I get blindsided by a, a, a simple question. Would you like to be the pastor at Redcliffe? That's a different door. That doesn't look like twisting wires together. I do still twist wires together here at this location. I'm your uh, friendly neighborhood Sparky here at Redcliffe Church. But it's just so left field. It's been this same thing for me for, for 10 years. Electrician, doing this, opening another door, going through it, but the same thing. Just working hard, just working hard, just seeing God's hand on it, seeing the blessings that come with it. And then all of a sudden, left turn, bang. Now I'm standing here in front of you guys. It's crazy. I'm glad Christine's excited. It's just so good. But it's just, it, it blows my mind. But it just shows me that this scripture is true. This scripture is accurate. It's happened in my life. It happened in Simon's life, and I'm sure it's happened for many of you, that when you're obedient to God, you will enter different doors. And it's a seamless transition. Now, like you, most of you know, the business is still going. I'm still running it. I've still got Jacob with me. We're still planning to grow it. But just as that is growing, this is growing. God's growing me. God's growing this church. God's doing something in this church. In 2024, God's got so much for this church to do. And it's going to continue to grow. We're going to be the church that God called us to be in the peninsula. We're not going to be anyone else. We're going to be a merged church here, planted, doing what we are called to do. And it's because we stay obedient. We're going to see the advantage. We're going to see the odds change. Because we stay obedient to God. Because we have a reason, and the reason is Jesus. 
And we have this, this specific timing, and it's when he says to do it. That's how we're going to be successful. And that's how the business that I still run is going to be successful. It's not the hours that I put in. It's the obedience that I have to do what God tells me to do when to do it. That's the recipe. That's the success. That's what happens when you do it God's way. I don't need another location of something on my laptop. Being obedient to Jesus brings the advantage. It changes the odds and opens the doors that you may never have thought would open. Can I have the band come up? A few weeks ago, I was talking to a a friend of mine, and he was telling me about another friend of his. It's a lot of uh, friends of friends stories that we've got this morning. Anyway, this guy's a highly successful businessman. He's been working in, in a specific industry for a, a very long time. And, and one day he wakes up and Jesus says to him, quit your job. Which is never really good advice unless Jesus says it. You never quit your job. Young people, you never quit your job unless you got another job. Don't do it. But if Jesus tells you to do it, that's just better. So this guy quits his job. And he just starts to fast. For three weeks, he's fasting. He's seeking God. He's asking, praying, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, what do you want me to do? He's got a family. He's got people to look after. He's got a reason to do things. Yet, he lets it all go because Jesus says to him, quit your job. He gets a phone call. It's this company that is offering him a a contract for a good amount of money. Three months worth of work for over a year's salary. Like, it's good money, right? Jesus says to him, turn it down. Say no. Says no. They come come back again. They're like, look, we know you said no, but we'll double the money. Please do it. Three months, double the amount of money. Same time, double the amount of money. Jesus says to him, turn it down. Jesus then says to the guy, I don't want you to be a contract on that project. I want you to have the project. Ask for the project. So he calls the people back. He says, no, give me the project. They laugh at him. They're like, you're not skilled. You don't have the ability to run the project. But he knew someone who, was, who the project actually belonged to, so he contacted them. And he had a meeting with the people that's actually giving the project. He gets the project. He makes five times the amount of money that what he would have the first time he got asked to do it. Same amount of time, five times the amount of money. And it's because he stayed obedient to God. He didn't waver. He didn't go, oh, this is good. Jump into that. I'm sure he was, his wife was probably like, no, please do it. <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> we need the money. What are you doing? You've, you've quit your job. You've, you're getting these offers. Just take it. But he stayed obedient to God. He did what God told him to do. His reason was because Jesus asked him to do it. The timing seemed off. Like, well, you're quitting and you don't have a job yet. And then you're saying no to all these great opportunities. And now he has a resort in Tokyo. It's completely different. He's in a different door. He's in a different realm. But this story to me just really depicts what I'm trying to say to you this morning. Here's a man devoted to God, following Jesus every step of the way. He does what Jesus tells him to do. He does it in the time when Jesus tells him to do it. And then Jesus takes him so seamlessly into another door, through a different door. That's what happens when we stay obedient to Jesus. I've had this epiphany recently, this this 
there's revelation. Obedience is the measure of success to people that follow Jesus. It's not money. It's not fame. It's not any other resource that we can gain. It's not how many, how many people are in your life or in your corner uh, uh, cheering you on, telling you how great you are. That's not the measure of success for a Christian. That's not the measure of success for a person that follows Jesus. The measure of success is how obedient you, how obedient you are to Jesus. Where is He? Is He the Lord of all? Is He on the throne? Or are you chasing other things? Do you have different reasons? Good reasons. Don't get me wrong. It is good to provide for your family. It is good to make money. It is good to to be a blessing to other people. But if your reason is not because Jesus told you to do it, change your reason. Put Him on the throne. Because success comes with obedience. Now, I'm not saying everyone's going to be a millionaire next time this year, this time next year. But maybe some of us will be. Because if we read the stories of Abraham, and we read the stories of Jacob, and we read the stories of all these incredible men and women and, and, and Joseph in the Bible. They were millionaires because they did what God told them to do. They stayed obedient. They did what God told them to do. Now, this isn't a message about prosperity. I'm not telling you, you, you follow these three steps and you're going to be a millionaire. Like I said, I still don't have my Porsche. But it's not about that. It's about obedience. It's about obedience. How obedient are you to Jesus? How, how, how in tuned are you to hearing His voice? And like I said, there's this, it's a second part to this, to this message that I, I really want to dive into that part of it. How to. And I, I get to preach that on, on the 31st of December. I'm really looking forward to that. But that's what I want to leave you with this morning. Obedience is the measure of success for someone that follows Jesus. You know, a couple of months ago, I preached the message about fix your eyes on Jesus. The three things that we as a church will do moving forward, that we will represent Him, we will reveal Him, and we will reflect Him. Almost forgot. (laughs) Please don't forget. Reveal, reflect, represent. This, This here... This is a a, a reveal moment. This is what it can look like when you allow Jesus to be Lord of your life. This is what we show the world around us, that people that follow Jesus are successful. Now, it doesn't mean, like I said, it doesn't mean your Instagram followers are going to go up 50,000 times, Jed. It doesn't mean that we're going to have millions of dollars in our bank account. It doesn't mean any of those things. Success is obedience to God and the blessings that come with that. The incredible freedom that comes with that. The peace that comes with that. That's what success brings. And obedience brings success. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you so much for who you are. Lord, let every single one of us never forget that you are on the throne. So take your rightful place in our hearts, God. Let us always be obedient to you. Let our reason for anything be because you said so. Let the time that we do things be because you said so. Let us be people that follow you, Jesus.
where you lead us. I want to give an opportunity to someone this morning that may not have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, may not have accepted Jesus as their King, as their guide, as their leader, as their master. It is the best decision you can make. It is a freeing decision. It is a decision that drives you into the arms of love, the arms of acceptance, the arms of grace, the arms of peace. And if that's you this morning that wants to make that decision, I encourage you to raise your hand. Show to me that you want to make that decision because the Bible says those that make, it in, uh, make that decision in an outward way and, and believe it in their hearts will be saved. They will find salvation and they will inherit eternity with their Creator. But that's not the only benefit. There are benefits for us here on earth now. And that's, those benefits come through obedience to Him. But this is the first step. So if there's anyone here that wants to make that decision, that wants to say yes to Jesus, I'll give you an opportunity now to raise your hands as I look around. I want to pray with you. Give you a few more moments. If you do want to make that decision, you just feel a little nervous at this time. I encourage you, we've got a, a blue banner in the back there. It says next steps on it. And, and we'll have Laura back there after the service. And she'd just love to answer any of the questions you have regarding what I spoke about, who Jesus is and what it means to be a follower of Jesus and, and how to do that. And uh, she, she's great. She'll, she'll be able to answer all those questions and, and many more.